Summer is finally mercifully here, Manitoba. If you want to promote your band or your team or your business with some fresh gear this season, check out our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Supporting local business is more important than ever in these tough times. So get a made in Manitoba solution to your screen printing, embroidery, heat press vinyl, and graphic design needs over at divineshirtcompany.ca or on Instagram at Divine Shirts. And tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, if you're a regular listener to the show, you probably have noticed that I like to um, talk to jazz players as much as I can. I mean, the show obviously talks to people of all different genres of music, from death metal to experimental video game music to country to whatever. But um, I, I like listening to jazz, and it's always been one of those genres that I feel like I don't understand enough. I, I know what I like about it, but I'm always kind of very curious to, uh, to to hear from people who understand it, maybe at a different level than I do, or a, di- a different sort of uh, appreciation for it. So whenever an opportunity arises to talk to someone who is involved in that field i always jump at it and another thing that i do every summer is i I don't get out to shows much um you know i prefer to stay at home especially in the winters in winnipeg i mean people know what that's like but um in the summers i i I basically scour the internet to find every outdoor festival or show or or, you know uh, porch concert or whatever i can find especially ones that are that are that are free and outdoors i can take my kids to whatever so one of the things i look up every year is what's happening at the pride festival the forks and so the guest on this episode is someone who uh whose name was on the bill and uh you definitely seem like you're playing a different style of music than i've ever seen on one of the lineups um for pride before so i I figured you know well this is a great time to reach out and uh have you on the podcast so I think the best way to start this whole thing out is if you want to introduce yourself and just give a bit of background about what you do as an artist. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, so my name's Sean Irvin, uh, and I'm, uh, I guess what would be best labeled as a woodwind specialist. I think that's the term we're going with these days. So I play clarinet, flute, oboe, and saxophone. Um, and, uh, you know, there's kind of two phases to it. So there's, yeah, I guess that term, the artist side, um, which, you know, I, I fit somewhere in the categories of contemporary instrumental. I do write for lyrics, lyrics as well. So, you know, somewhere on the contemporary side of jazz and then studio and sessional where um, I'm kind of one of those people that people are like, Hey, I need X, Y, and Z in a recording. I'm like, Oh, I can do that. So I go in and then we record or we, you know, live performances where it's um, there's an element of just, instead of having like an instrumental section, they can have a person who doubles on multiple instruments and they're able to kind of acquire those different sounds and colors that they might want for that experience. So that's kind of what I do. Well, and looking at your, um, your various bios online and social media and things, you have a a pretty good resume of just a wide range of people you've worked with over the years too. Right. So that, um, definitely kind of, uh, illustrates what you're saying is, is just the, the ability to sort of fit in with what people need for woodwind instruments and, and, and just, you know, add that color and, and those sounds to, whatever kind of music it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, how do I put it? I think this is what I love about what I do is that, you know, it's like every day is different in the office, so to say, right. I get the glory of getting to meet so many different musicians. And as a result of that, so many different crowds of people um, who, you know, like I've, I've done the jazz shows obviously, but I've also been on pop rock folk, contemporary, um, I've been asked to do a death metal bass clarinet thing, but it didn't work out. So, <laughs> but you know, that's cool. Like, I, I love that. Like, I remember one of the coolest gigs I think I've ever played was I got hired to play in a yoga studio where okay. they had like electronics and a series of like different woodwind instruments. And we had to create like an ambiance thing. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Why not? Right. So that's the beauty of, I think the sessional side of it is you get to see so many different worlds and, uh, it keeps it interesting. Yeah. Uh, no doubt, for sure. Yeah, I actually interviewed a guy who does electronic music for yoga classes like all the time, and it, it's 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 a totally other audience of music than you think about, right? I mean, there's, there's so many different ways people can appreciate music, and that's just a very specific one. But it, it's a thing. There's there's a market for it and an audience for it. Totally. I mean, it's what is it? It's like 
you can be creative with music, but then the functionality of music is a whole other side of creativity that the more you explore it, kind of the cooler the experience is, right? So, you know, again, like there may be the yoga experience, but I had another one where it was just like a single light bulb in the middle of the room and people laying on the floor around this. And it was just musicians kind of all boxed around and it was like, there was no instruction. It was just like a free improvising thing and everyone had an instrument and you just kind of, it was a conversation that everyone was kind of surrounded in. So sometimes it's like people don't even know what they're really signing up for, but those could be some of the coolest experiences, right? So totally. yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I digress. Well, what the, <laughs> I guess maybe a, a interesting question that would be, what is your background as far as music that you listen to? Like, I mean, you know, I, I not, not, not that there's anything wrong with the oboe, for example, but it doesn't seem like the kind of instrument, you know, maybe a teenage kid's going to gravitate towards, right? What were you into sort of before you got into these woodwind instruments? Oh man. I mean, so I have a brother who's also, he's what's called a psycho death rockabilly musician. Still unpacking what that is, but I've heard it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I, growing up, I was a lot of secondhand to what my brother was listening to, which was not jazz. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, you know, I, I grew up, like my favorite band growing up was No Doubt, which kind of got me into like, they were right on that teetering edge on a couple points of almost ska. You know, like they were getting into that world. And then with my brother, I did get into the ska a little bit. So Streetlight Manifesto was a big one for me. So, you know, I think I started to experience a little bit of instrumental that way. And then just, you know, you go through like the band gambit of school. I remember seeing a festival. There was a guy playing saxophone. I thought it was going to be a cardiothoracic surgeon for a living. And then I heard this guy play and I was like, oh, well, guess I'm not going to med school because I got to do that for the rest of my life. You know, and very fortunately, I got to study with him at Brandon for six years, Brandon University. So, you know, it's funny that I think I've talked to so many people about this, about how they kind of get into music or where their interest lies in music. And some people I've talked to are like, I just could hear these arrangements or these orchestrations in my head. And I'm like, wow, you should really do something with that because that's not normal. (laughs) But, you know, for me, I think... I heard something so beautiful. I feel like it's like what someone sees this beautiful sight when they go to Italy or, you know, they go to France and they see this and they're inspired to travel as a result of it. Yeah. I I think I finally heard that in a sound and it, it completely changed me. And then of course, you know, once you're part of a community, that community starts to introduce you to other things. Right. So if you're part of a death metal community and you go to a death metal concert, they're going to be talking about like, oh, this concert, this concert, this concert. So when you're part of a jazz community, so so say, they start talking about this artist and this artist and this artist. So, you know, um, maybe that's a bit of a lengthy answer. No, no, it's a good answer, actually. And it's interesting that you mentioned ska, too. I, I was in a ska band in the late 90s, and um, like right when the third wave was kind of happening, and it was a, it was a big uh, genre for like a, you know, a week and a half. Um, <laughs> but but that, that was definitely... And in for a lot of people who were interested in, in, in playing saxophone or trumpet or trombone. I mean, I was I played guitar poorly, but we had a lot of kids who were incredible musicians who were in our band as teenagers. And because we didn't know, how, you know, all the, all the punk type kids didn't know how to play a sax or a trumpet or whatever. So it'd be like, oh, let's go to the band kids. And they all have this. And it was like an opportunity for all the band kids, I think, to get into playing like DIY shows, which yeah. maybe wasn't there before because, you know, there weren't like jazz shows happening at the Royal Albert or whatever. There are now. Right. No, totally. I feel like ska was like the introduction of the re-rise of the band nerds. Like the the band nerds like finally found their way into the world and were like, yes, this was our moment. So, you know, and it, there is a power to having a horn section, you know, in terms of like, we think about composition and dynamic and sound and like how far the sound can go. I mean, let's be honest here. As soon as a guitar comes into the mix, you know, dynamically, we've just gone from here to here, but I think there's some kind of power of having a horn section or, you know, a vocalist section, having four vocalists versus one is like, wow, okay, now we're, we're cooking with gas. So, um, yeah, I think the ska world was a really interesting chapter and I, I'm waiting for the resurgence. It's happening. There is, there is a resurgence. It's already started to happen. Yes. I got to go to more shows. Yeah, you do. (laughs) You definitely do.
Another side of what you do too, right? Which is the educational side. How long have yeah. you been? How long have you been teaching music? Oh gosh, I'm going to age myself here. Um, long, what now? 15 years, roughly. I think I, I did my first clinic when I was 18 years old, and admittedly, I had no freaking idea what I was doing. But I, it, you know, it's like fake it till you make it. You just have to be one lesson. Um, yeah, I've, I've taught now. I would say it's the better part of my career. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate to play music and I, I enjoy it, but I, I think a lot of what I do is teaching. So I got into clinic work teaching. And then from there, uh, I was the director of Woodwinds for uh, an outreach or outreach organization with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra called El Sistema. And, um, you know, because I was a woodwind doubler, they were like, well, you know, we want you to teach flutes and clarinets and we want to introduce oboe. I said, okay, great. So I had done the programming for that. And in its first years of running, you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then other opportunities kind of came up where I was doing um, uh, kind of like a, assisting educators with jazz in schools and, you know, thorough enjoyment into that. And then eventually starting to teach in university. And then um, when COVID hit, you know, and started seeing all the shows kind of disappearing. I was like, all right, well, it's, I guess it's time to go get my doctorate, you know? So I, I went to school out in Toronto for the last three years working on the coursework with that. And then I started teaching at university of Toronto. I was teaching uh, jazz pedagogy and running some ensembles and oh, cool. co-teaching a jazz orchestration and arranging course. So, you know, it's so funny. Cause I always said, like, I think I really was pushing in my performance career, but the road just slowly kind of pushed me in this teaching and composition world that, um, you know, I don't mind. And I'm very thankful. I, you know, I've met some really incredible students. I, um, I really took joy in exceptional learning. Um, so I, I myself have a disability called dyscalculia. Okay. So I struggle with numbers and permutations. Um, and it was a big part of my struggle with learning with jazz. I, I really had troubles making sense of the theory and, you know, I, as I became more vocal about this and I had figured out what, what the shadow was named, um, I started having teachers coming with students who were exceptional learning. And I, I really developed a love and passion for that. So um, I've had students who've come to me who had one in particular I'm thinking of had a genetic displacement where he had no teeth in his mouth. Okay. So playing saxophone, we had to like re- all the mechanics about anchoring your teeth and the way that you structure your embouchure, we'd kind of go around and relearn that. You know, I've, I've dealt with students with d disabilities um, with dyslexia where they, the note reading is a challenge or, you know, so you, I love the process of kind of just working through things slowly with the student one-on-one -on -one and that's been really exceptional. So yeah, I, I love teaching. I'm very, I feel very blessed to be able to do it. Well, and I guess if you do, if you're dealing with, I mean, this probably applies to yourself as well. But if you're dealing with people who are have that extra level of challenge, they obviously really want it, right? I mean, if you if you if you're going to the point of not just learning an instrument and learning the theory and all, which is difficult for anyone, but then having this extra bar barrier and and working to get over it, you you got to be pe super passionate about the instrument and the sound and the music. I think they find a home in it. You know, I I think I think sometimes the world can be a little bit tough with those with maybe extra needs or exceptional learning, but they can see that they can really thrive and flourish in music. Yeah. 
you know, I had, I had this great instructor, um, one of the greatest Canadian composers, actually, I would say at this point, David Braid. And I remember talking to him about this in one of my first lessons with him. I said, you know, this is something we have to navigate as I have dyscalculia. And he said, in a world where in artistry, um, we, we search for individuality and we search for exceptional learning and th thinking outside the box, why should this not be something that we value so highly? And that's always stuck with me, you know, like I think this thing that I always looked at is something that was holding me back. That was a really brilliant moment where I was like, oh, maybe I can do something special with this then. And I think anytime I've encountered one of those students, they, they never learned the way that the, the textbook says. And I love that about it. So I think in those lessons more often than not, I say, you know, right now I don't have the answer right away, but if you give me the week, I will figure it out. And that it's made me a better player, I think, as an instrumentalist. It's made me a better educator and a composer, too, in thinking about the way that music is constructed. So I'm very thankful for it.
it's interesting because you're gonna get you're gonna end up with unique sounds uh, from people like that too, right? Because because they're approaching things so differently out of necessity, but that's gonna result hopefully in something that no one's tried before because you need to do that to, to, to get what you get where you want. So yeah, I think, I think in any field that kind of taking a different approach is, is usually going to end up with something really cool. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I appreciate that thought and that sentiment. I can agree more. So yeah, I, I think, um, and I think I'm sure you've had this experience being a musician too. When you, there's always that individual that shows up to a rehearsal that you've never worked with before. And then you're like, oh, I really dig how this person is thinking or what they're doing or putting out. And then you're inspired to want to work with them more, right? And, you know, you start to collaborate and suddenly the way that you think about music or write music is influenced by that individual. And there's kind of this like other level of music that you're creating because that person is inspiring your music and taking it to places that you would never have thought of. And likewise in the reverse. For sure. You know, there's, so I think that's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. So you're you're back in Winnipeg now. Yes, I am. As of three days ago. Okay, it's pretty recent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happened very quickly. So, uh, and I'm so happy. You know, I'm so happy. Don't get me wrong. Toronto was fantastic, and uh, it was really good for me. There was a lot of things that I learned. I met a lot of really beautiful people with really big hearts. Um, Gosh, I like Winnipeg is special. I gotta say this, you know, like I know something like unfortunately some reactions were like, Oh, what happened? Why why are you going there? And I'm like, no, 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 it's good, it's great, you know. Um I've missed this music community. I've missed um I've missed how quiet it is here. You know, you, you don't realize until um you've come back to something like how unique it is. Yeah. And like the silence, the like birds calling, you know, I haven't heard of a fire truck yet all day and I'm a little out about it. So it's only been three days. You'll, you'll, you'll hear it soon. <laughs> They're all waiting around the corner. It's only a matter of minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Me. Yeah. So, you know, like Toronto was really cool. And what's really awesome about the scene is there's so many musicians there. Right. So you can kind of find anyone that's into a flavor of some sort. And you'll have a band that you collaborate with. You know, I'll get calls sometimes about people looking for specific musicians. I had a, uh, a film composer reach out and he was like, you know, I, I'm looking for a, a traditional Greek instrumentalist, like the real deal, like for a movie soundtrack. Like, is there any way you know someone? I was like, I don't know off the top of my head. Let me reach out. And I, I sent out a message to contacts and I got like this person, this person, everyone had someone. So, you know, like it's really cool because these people exist in Toronto, you know, it's, it's a landing pad in Canada. It was just, uh, I think this statistics about six months old, but Toronto is now approximately, I think it was 52% people were not born in Canada and then 48% born in Canada. Yeah. That's so, really cool. That's a really cool stunt. It's really awesome. So, and again, all these kind of traditional instrumentalists and like folk musicians are these people that are landing there. So uh, it's really brilliant because you can kind of see any type of show and like authentic folk music. And it's like, it's there. You have to like take a subway train. You have to pay $10 and it's going to be like one of the coolest nights that you didn't expect. Yeah. So, that's, that, that's, that's like, that's a, that's a good uh, thing to have uh, just like down the street from you is getting access yeah. to that for sure. So you, you, you're just back in Winnipeg. You, you already have shows happening. Obviously uh, you're playing, um, uh, next weekend at well from when we're recording this uh, at the pride festival the forks how did you get that because jazz is not something that i don't think i've ever seen on the uh the lineups that they put out every year for that festival maybe i'm wrong maybe i just missed it but well that's great you know like i know um i'm actually playing a show tomorrow night at the human rights museum with um zach rushings who's uh alter ego lady muse okay uh an amazing singer like amazing vocalist uh and arranger for that fact and it's for the opening of Pride. They're at the Human Rights Museum. They're, there's a show. It's free to attend, but you know they've they've got limited capacity. So I know they've already pre-sold 250 tickets for this. Wow. But um, well, by the time this comes out, it'll already be over anyway. That show. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's but, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, my screen's a little blurry here. Uh, so you know, like that's going on. But then I got the phone call uh, from one of the artistic directors, and. Uh, they reached out and were saying, you know, 
I, I had went to university with them and they said, you know, you're coming back. We'd love to have you. We know like you've written a lot of music that's queer centric. And um, my first album was a series of uh, gay men's stories that were adapted for instrumental okay. uh, music. And we were very fortunate. We got a lot of support from the different arts councils in Canada and um, it wouldn't have happened without them. But so, you know, I, I, my first album ever was based around kind of this gay men's stories idea. And then when they approached, they, you know, they said, we'd be interested in having you. Like, would you, would you want to put together a 45 minute set for this? And I said, yeah, oh my gosh, totally. So, um, you know, I'm actually working with Lady Muse on this show as well. Uh, they're going to be singing. And I, I approached them. I was like, you know, like if we're going to do some vocal stuff, was there some stuff that you think might be cool? And we got into kind of some of the queer centric composers of jazz. Okay. Uh, one of which my favorite is Cole Porter. So Cole Porter was like a huge um, musical and like show music. A lot of the pop music of kind of like the, the swing era and the like yeah. going into the four. And Cole Porter wrote these tunes that I just don't know if everyone, like if you put the glasses on of like, there's a gay man behind this music, you start to realize that like, you know, like one of the tunes we're doing is you're the top. And <laughs> you know, like you're the top, I'm the bottom, you know, like this kind of thing starts to come out. And like, when you start to think about it from like a, a queer lens, you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know? So we're doing some Cole Porter music. Um, you know, I wanted to include female composers. Um, so we've got some of that going on. And then some of the music I wrote uh, will also be in there as, as well in our set. So um, I'm very excited. I think it's going to be a really fun concert. And as you said, the outdoor concert thing, like, let's let's soak up the sun let's do it so i'm really excited to do that at 12 30 on the sunday there and um of course I'm, I'm playing with some really beautiful musicians who i'm just always so excited to get the chance to make music with so it's, it's going to be a lot of fun Yeah. 
so if people are hearing about you for the first time on this show, um, what's the best way to find what you're up to? I mean, you know, the good thing about this being a podcast, it's being recorded now. By the time it comes out, that show will be imminent. But someone could hear this a year from now, two years from now. I mean, I've been doing this show for a decade now. And so these episodes are still kind of floating around in the ether forever. So what's the best way to find your music and find out what you're up to as far as potential upcoming shows or upcoming recordings, things like that? Yeah, for sure. So the big one, uh, Instagram. I put everything on Instagram. Uh, I try to advertise things about a week before and then a couple days before and then usually the day of. So uh, my handle is at Sean.Irvin. Sean spelled the right way. Uh, <laughs> S-E-A-N dot I-R-V-I-N-E. Uh, so they can find me there. I also have a website, www.SeanIrvinWoodwinds.com. Um, and I'm, I'm currently working on the calendar, but I'm going to have that up in the next couple of days because, I, you know, I, I got to do that. So um, those are probably the best two ways to go about it. Uh, I am on Facebook too, but um, yeah, I think that that should get you to the finish line. <laughs> and as far as finding your music, um, is it all, does the website have all the links and everything you need to, to find it there? You bet. Yeah. I'm on Bandcamp. Uh, you can find me on, um, what are we doing? iTunes. I'm on um, Shazam. What's the, what's, um, oh, what's the other one I'm blanking on right now? Oh no. There's a big one that Spotify. Sorry. Yeah, that's it. Spotify. I don't use any of them, so I to, to me, I except, <laughs> except for Bandcamp. I use Bandcamp, but everything else I do is physical okay. music only. So I, I'm so like I'm too stubborn to uh, I'm set in my ways to, to to move forward into this uh, dystopian future. So um, yeah, uh, okay. usually people just say it's on all of them, and I say okay, cool, that <laughs> sounds good to me. I just you know, and I like I've like when I printed my first CD, I printed way too many copies. I think everyone and, has done that. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've like joked that like the packing peanuts to my to my grave it's gonna be these cds so i usually hold them up at the show and say i don't know if anyone still has a cd player but if you do these are available you know so um there's something just magical about a physical copy oh yeah of me. sure I, I i hold it too so if i go to shows i really love i still buy cds um and i've i've got like a walkman i don't know if most people know what that is anymore but i still have a walkman so <laughs> that's awesome yeah, no, it's, it's it's good. So people can get the, I assume if there are people like, you know, as stubborn as me out there who want physical media, can they buy the CDs off your website or, or it shows? Or... Yeah, yeah. Bandcamp, they'll they'll find the link on my website there. So um, I'm happy to send a CD Perfect. their way for sure. We'll sell them at concerts and uh, CDs are available. Awesome. Awesome. 